Thank you, brother. Good morning again. Welcome to uh, sermon number two, as Taylor talked about. Um, I'm Nathaniel Ince. I've met most of you. There are a few new faces in the room, so I would love to meet you after this if I haven't already. Uh, But I am a lay elder here at Sojourn Galleria. And I'm, uh, first of all, I'm just thankful to be able to preach today. And um, so thank you for giving me the time. Uh, we are continuing in Proverbs this morning, if you couldn't tell. We just read several verses. And we have been going through different themes in Proverbs in our house churches the past couple months. Uh, we've talked about work versus laziness. Uh, we've talked about marriage, guarding the heart. Last week we talked about desire. And a couple months back, Taylor had uh, asked me, he said, hey, do you want to preach on... Um, these, these are roughly 20 to 30 verses. It was a lot more than what we read. And he said, the title is Business Ethics. And I was like, man, that's the most boring title ever, you know? So I was like, well, I, this morning I'm taking the liberty to rebrand it a bit. Um, and the title is Your Work Matters. Uh, now I can hear your internal monologue now. You're like, oh, I get it. So they, Taylor brought up the lay elder, the business guy, to talk about business ethics. Yes, that's exactly what's happening this morning. Uh, but again, the title is Your Work Matters. The first major point today is that your work does matter. In, uh, in Genesis 1 and 2, God spent six days creating the world. He was working. And on the seventh day, what did he do? He rested. And then he, he then instructs Adam and Eve uh, in chapter 2. And he says, God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. That was thousands of years ago, and since then, the instruction to hundreds of generations has been the same. Work it and keep it, this world that we have. And it's important. And now the mandate is on us, each of us. And we have a a whole smattering of giftings and callings in this room. And so entertain me for a little bit, and just let me uh, call out a few of them. My wife, Anna, is a psychotherapist. Uh, She is working two days a week with different clients, working from everything from OCD to trauma to all sorts of stuff and helping people walk from darkness to light. Dave, your work matters. Um, Kenya, her twin sister, is getting her PhD in psychology, and Kenya, your work matters as a student and a clinical psychologist. Nisa, sitting right behind my wife, she is my piano teacher. And, um, and I've seen her in the lives of so many kids, and I'm, I think I'm the only adult that I actually goes to her, but brought me so much joy in her diligence and discipleship and her passion for playing piano and teaching piano. And you have brought life to our family, Your work matters, Nisa. Where's Peter? Peter in the back does IT for Christian Brothers Automotive. Bro, you are diligent and excellent in what you do, and your work matters. Thank you. Um, Claire Bambrick, right here, was my fifth grade Bible teacher at Second Baptist um, and was instrumental in me understanding the faith and so many things that you taught me. Your work mattered, Claire, and it continues to matter. And I know Second still uses your curriculum today, so thank you. Um... Angela, your work as a doctor, incredible. Your work matters. Aaron, same thing in the medical profession. Uh, Stephen, who's not here. Too loud. Thank you. See, your work matters. Your work matters. Yes. Thank you, Peter. Um, Worship team, your your time this morning in leading us in worship, your work matters. Thank you. Yes. Um, Andrew Tinsley, where are you at? In the back there, you are doing analysis on markets to help people that mostly are retired make sure they're not going to run out of money and they're taken care of. That your work matters, bro, and it's you're you're diligent on what you do. Um, Jake Sweeney, 
is it right here, working kids right here. Your work matters working for kids, but Jake right now is working with our business to help find the right people for our company. He's doing an incredible job. Jake, your work matters and you're diligent and it shows. Um, Cheryl Crisp, where are you? Right here. You and Chelsea, both, two florists, right? Which is, you bring such beauty through flowers to people and bring them joy and you create. And so thank you, your work matters. And I could keep going around the room and I wish I could, but overall we have so much gifting and calling in this room and what we do matters. And, and God reflected that in what he created and then he said, hey, I now task you with making and building and cultivating this earth that you live in. Your work matters. To those who are retired or semi-retired, you might be um, serving on boards and philanthropies, taking care of aging parents. Your work matters. It's not just that you're retired, you don't have anything to do. Your work very much matters. Students, you're learning, you're in school. It might sound boring at times, but you're learning things that are gonna help you create value in the world, and your work matters. God sees that, he wants you to be excellent in that. Oh, I can't forget oil and gas. Casey, Aaron, where's Aaron? There you go. Oil and gas gets called out for me bad all the time nowadays. I'm a firm believer it's very good, and um, low cost, reliable, and respectable energy is very important. As you drive uh, home, appreciate it. As I drive home, yes. And ask Europe if they if they like their natural gas prices that have spiked the past 12 months. Uh, it's very important. What y'all do matters. So thank y'all. Um, I've been in business uh, now for 14 years or so, so there's a lot of you in the room that have done a lot more business than me, had a lot more people. I will tell you, out of all the people I've done business with in my, you know, my, my day job, professionally just doing you know, jobs around the house and paying people, the worst business people I've dealt with have not been agnostics, atheists, nominal Christians. It's been people that trumpeted Jesus as their brand. So they said, do business with me because I'm a Christian. Those are, and it's just my experience, so don't like, no, you're wrong. That's my experience. The worst people have been people that said, I'm a Christian, do business with me. Hands down, the worst business people I've dealt with. Um, and that's really sad. It grieves me because they gave Jesus a bad name and how they did work. Uh, it matters how we work. The kingdom of God is very much inclusive of how we do our work. Not just what we get paid for, but again, how we lead worship, how we work with kids. Golly, stay-at-home moms. How, how you work means a ton. Um, it matters, and that's very much what the kingdom, uh, a big part of the kingdom. We as believers should be the most fruitful business people and workers in the world. We should be salt and light, the most wise, the most respected, the most bold, and the most humble. Your work matters. And on the mom's piece, as you're doing diaper, changing diapers and doing stuff with kids that you feel like it's just like not bad. It's, you're like, why am I doing this again? Why am I saying no for the hundredth time to my kids? Your work matters. I don't know how I missed that. Thank you, moms, for everything y'all do. Um, getting to Jesus. We don't have documentation of how Jesus worked. I wish we did. We don't. He spent many more years working than he did public ministry. Probably around 20 years working as a, as a carpenter either apprenticing or being a full-time carpenter. Do you think that was wasted time? Even the God of the universe spent 20 years doing something that you think was wasted? No way. Do you think he was excellent when he was doing that? Do you think he was thoughtful? Do you think he ministered to people while he was doing his craft? 
Big time. If you could re- read reviews of Jesus on Google, what do you think they would say? Do you think he would have had any one-star reviews? Ah, he just didn't make a good product. Or two, he just, he bad customer service. He was just, he was short. He didn't look at me when he did the transaction. No way. He was the best guy to do business with. And there was social accountability in Nazareth. You know he was the carpenter. That's powerful. God values that so much that he spent 20 years doing it. We have a group at, at work called Work Matters. Go figure. Um, it's Christians who get, reg- get together regularly talking about the intersection of work and Christianity. And we always open up the group and we say, you spend most of your waking life at work, and you will for the next few decades. One day, you'll answer to God for that time. How are you using it? And what would Jesus look like if he was in your job? Our work matters. Well, like I said, we're continuing in Proverbs today, and Taylor read um, a few verses there. There was a subset of the verses that were in the block for uh, the assigned scripture today. And there's a few themes that I took out of it that I want to hit on uh, in the next few minutes. We're not, it's, it's actually six, but don't get intimidated. We're going to go through them pretty fast. And um, let's get into what does business ethics or work matters look like in regard to these verses. So the one, the, the first one, add real value. 10, two said, 10 verse 2 on your handout says, Treasures gained by wickedness do not profit, but righteousness delivers from death. Man, I do not want to gain treasures through wickedness. What does that mean? Uh, we all know the big evil company names. Um, Bernie Madoff, Enron, Theranos, sorry, and the list goes on. Um, if you work at a place like that, please leave. <laughs> Most of us probably don't. I'd be surprised if any of us do. Don't leave here. Don't leave here. Leave the company. Leave the company. Don't leave here. Please stay here. Um, but but I think it's easy to confine um, treasures gained by wickedness to those companies. My personal call to action for me and all of us is know what value you're adding. Um, there's some jobs that it's, it's hard to know. Justin's adding value. Thank you. Um, know what know what problem you're solving. In a big, some of us don't struggle with this because, again, Metti, you're an electrician and you do great work. You work for yourself. Some people work at a bigger company, and I will tell you all the time. I see people at their jobs that don't know what problems they're solving, and it's miserable for them. And I could say, man, you are way too gifted to let that continue. So if that feels like you, you don't know the problem you're solving, you don't feel like your gifts are being used at your work, I would say, one, ask the Lord about it. Say, Lord, is this the right place for me? And two, have a conversation with your boss. Um, It's important to know what problems you're solving because you have a lot to offer. So do that. And I guarantee you, if you have that conversation with your boss, your boss is going to become a better boss. Mm -hmm. I haven't told you what value you're adding. Um, Two, be faithful. 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. Our culture today is instant gratification. Um, That's not how value works. Businesses, organizations, real value is not created in a day, a week, a month, a quarter, or typically even a year. It takes long-term commitment. 
So whether it's a business, a role you're in that you've committed to, a board you're serving on, a philanthropy you serve in, commit for a, for a period of time that's substantive and say, I'm going to do this and I'm going to build something of value and give it time. Uh, I think that's really important and it totally flies in the, in the culture of what we live in today. Uh, two, our culture very much today is one of transience. Uh, right now, Jake knows this better than probably any person in this room. Um, turnover and the transience of the job market is crazy right now. The average annual, the annual turnover in America today is 40%. That means basically everybody's leaving their job. One out of two people is leaving their job every year, which is crazy. And the, the brought, I saw um, a commercial, uh, a reference to commercial a few weeks ago, and it said, here's your plan to shift job every six months and, um, and make as much money as you can. It's like, that is the worst recipe. That's just a recipe for disaster. So be faithful. Build something worth worthwhile and commit where you're at. Again, whether it's a job, it's an organization you're in, a philanthropy you're a part of, commit to that. It's important. You look at Daniel and Joseph in scripture, and those guys were faithful. They were excellent. They committed long-term. They were humble. And look what God did in and through them. Number three, take action. 14.23 says, In all toil there's profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. My words of this are, ideas are cheap. Making it happen is where it's at. And so many of you are so good at making it happen. I look at Casey and Aaron, and I'm like, man, I'm a pansy compared to you guys. You just, like, make it happen. Um, a colleague of mine, I think, said it right recently. He said, smart people are a dime a dozen. The people that make it happen are the ones who can drive forward in the midst of uncertainty. Those are the ones that make real impact. Um, so I don't encourage you, if you have an idea, if you have something that you've been boiling around, that you have high conviction around, that you want to do, either in your job, at a company, at a philanthropy, and you just haven't taken action on it, do it. Ask the Lord. Be like, is this? do you want me to do this? And do it. Make it happen. And all told, there's profit, but mere talk tends only to poverty. So take action. Number four, be careful with debt, others and yours. Chapter six, one to five says, My son, if you have put up security for your neighbor, you've given your pledge for a stranger. If you are snared in the words of your mouth, caught in the words of your mouth, then do this, my son, and save yourself. For you have come into the hand of your neighbor. Go, hasten, and plead urgently with your neighbor. Give your eyes no sleep and your eyelids no slumber. Save yourself like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter, like a bird from the hand of the fowler. Very similar language is in chapter 11, 17, 20, 22, 26, and 27 in Proverbs. Why so important? One, not being careful with debt, again, with your debt or with other people's debt, can just practically get you in a world of hurt. Um, but two, this is my conjecture, God hates it because it suggests slavery. If you're in debt, man, I mean, that's what he got his people out of in Exodus. And so just be careful with debt. I will say we are very blessed in this country that if you want to, if we, debt is a great instrument. If you want to buy a house, right, really hard to do that with cash. And we live in a country where you can take out a loan. It's phenomenal. But two things. With someone else, be very careful co-signing on a loan. If somebody's asking, hey, will you sign with me because your credit, just be very careful there. Two, partnerships and going into business with people, be very careful. Um, that's not just a monetary thing. That's a, 
Those of you who have gone in partnerships in business or in philanthropies, you know it's really important to choose wisely your partner. Um, you, cannot be, you cannot be overly thoughtful about that. Um, and two, with personal debt, just be very careful with it. Um, if there's a decision between taking on more debt and maybe getting a smaller house, getting not as nice of a car, air towards not getting more debt. Um, again, this is a very counter-cultural thing. In our country, you look at, I mean, the debt numbers are astounding, and what's encouraged through commercials and marketing is totally getting more debt. It's easy. That is not what scripture says. Number five, be generous. 11.24 says, one gives freely and yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. This is kingdom economics. It doesn't make sense. The more you give, the more you get. But throughout scripture, it's all about live generous. It's the gospel. We've been given everything, therefore we have the opportunity to give everything. And that's not just money. That's your time. That's your gifts. We get to live on offense, loving people well. 2 Corinthians 9, 6-7 says, Whoever sows sparingly, reaps sparingly. God loves a cheerful giver. So if you are, if this is foreign to you, I'd say start small. If you haven't given money to this church, to philanthropies, to whoever it is, a need, start giving. Do, take an action. Give. But live generously. Our hearts should be such that we've been so affected by the gospel that we just love to give and serve people. Um, there's a great book out there called The Go-Giver. Anybody read it? No? It's a secular book. Basically, the whole premise, it's a business book, which is funny, but all, all truth is God's truth. The whole book is about the more you give, the more you get. And it's amazing. It's, every story is about basically this person trying to outgive and they just get more and more. That's what Proverbs 11:24 says. Number six is our final point. Choose the right team. 26.10 says, like an archer who wounds everyone is one who hires a passing fool or drunkard. Uh, I would not just limit this to a fool or a drunkard. I'd say that a really good leader, a really good team builder, is about figuring out who the right people are to let on the team and who the wrong people are to take off the team. Um, there's so many business books about this, but when you, when you have somebody on the team that doesn't fit, it compromises the entire level of the team. And anybody who's in business and organizations, you see this. Or in the wrong role. And that's very important. Whether you're a leader, whether you're a formal manager or a team member, um, um, walking according to that is really important. So I know that was a, a lot of points. But to recap, one, add real value, solve real problems. Apply that to wherever you are. Two, be faithful. Commit somewhere. Three, take action. Talk is cheap. Four, be careful with debt, others and yours. Five, be generous. That's how the kingdom works. And five, choose the right team. It makes or breaks your organization. So we could end there, but that seems kind of, well, what the, what the world? That's just six business points, Nate. Okay, good point. Uh, we talked about work a few weeks ago uh, in this, this series, and we talked about don't be lazy. And it's true, don't be lazy. But when I look around the room, I don't see many lazy people. I called out multiple of you in your jobs, and frankly, most of you are very excellent, if not all of you. 
I would contend that in Houston, our struggle is actually with the opposite. Our struggle is with putting our work as our identity, or whatever we do, right? It could be being a mom. It could be serving on boards and retired. It could be um, your job. It could be the philanthropy you're a part of. Um, but one of our top struggles, our idols, is to put key work item as our primary representation of achievement and identity, shortcutting God's rightful place. I've told you these six things, and uh, the problem is if you do those six things and, tr- and serve them, treat them like a checklist, then it'll either leave you to despair or pride. I got all the six things, Nate. Done. I'm working excellently. I'm crushing it, according to Proverbs. Awesome. Now you're arrogant. <laughs> or, man, I'm really messing up on number one. Well, you're despair. Neither of those are very helpful. So, okay, Proverbs. Is that, is that, is that what Proverbs really wants us to take away? I would contend, no. I think there's deeper meaning here. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. I'll read it again. It's not in your handout. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. What does that mean? Well, the opposite must be true. If we do those six things, but we don't commit our work to the Lord, then our plans won't be established. Well, that doesn't sound good. What does commit mean? The word commit here, and Taylor can correct me after this, um, is from the Hebrew word galal. Strong's Concordance defines it as to commit, remove, run down, seek, occasion, trust, and wallow. But by far, the most often it's used is to roll away. Roll away like a stone on top of a well, like in Genesis, when you roll away a stone. Do you roll away your work to him regularly? Whatever you're doing, your mom, retired, your day job, are you rolling away? Are you pushing your work off to God and saying, this is yours? Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. Are you rolling away your work, your daily activities, the things that you're associating with your identity or the the temptation to, are you rolling that away to God on a regular basis? I'm preaching to myself. This is something I have to take to the Lord regularly. I have to roll this away to God on Monday mornings, on Tuesday mornings, on Wednesday mornings, on Thursday mornings, on the afternoons, in the evenings, on the weekends. God, my temptation is to put put my identity in this thing. The value that I believe I'm creating, that you instructed me to, I have to roll this to you. You know you're not rolling away thing this work if you're anxious, if you're distracted, if you can't spend good time with God, and it's, you're too consumed with whatever you're working on regularly. Roll it away. Which takes discipline. You know just another six things that are amazing about Jesus? He added incredible value. He was utterly faithful. He took amazingly bold action. He had no debt. (laughs) He was radically generous, and he exercised incredible wisdom in building a team. Oh, and oh, number seven, he was perfect. (laughs) And then he went to his death willingly and rose from the dead so that when anyone believed in him and submits his or her life to him, he or she gets his life and all the benefits that go with it. 
I see it time and time again in my life and other Christians that we think of the divine exchange, which is what I talk about. We give him every, all of our inability, all of our sin, all the stuff we can't measure up, and he gives us all of his blessing, his salvation, his righteousness, everything. The divine exchange, we limit that to salvation. We tell the Lord we're broken, we have nothing to give, he gives me salvation and righteousness, but that's just the beginning. It's the joy of the Christian life. Is The divine exchange is day by day. We get to roll away our work and plans to him, and he makes them more established than we ever could on our own. Matt Cotter, who's not here, I don't think, and I, we're in a, a, stud, a weekly study on listening prayer right now. And one of the main points was, let's just be clear. You don't do anything. God does everything. And in our society in Houston, that is like, whoa, wait, wait, say it again. <laughs> say it again and again and again. Are you sure? I don't do anything. Are you sure? God does everything. And the lie here that the enemy wants us to believe is that we bring stuff to the table when it comes to work. God says, surrender, and I will do more through your work than you ever thought possible. But if you don't surrender, you'll think you're creating value, and you'll never fulfill the value I have in your life. This week, roll your work to him. When you wake up tomorrow morning and you have a case of the Mondays, whether you're a mom you're going to your job you've been at for a long time, might be a new job, might be a student, you're in class, roll your work to him. Invite the Lord into what you do. When you get to the office, invite him into it. When you get to school, invite him into it. When you're doing your first work item, ask what he has for you. Justin has coached me in this. During the meeting, how do you want me to see this person, God? What's your objective for me in this meeting? He said, without me, you can do nothing in John 15. It applies to work, too. If we do that, I guarantee you we will be salt and light in whatever we're applying our, our hands to this week. We will be the most dedicated, excellent, honest, focused business people that our peers, that our customers have ever dealt with. Do good work, not because your identity is linked to that, but because your identity is sealed in him, and you get to work unto him. Your work matters. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us together in this amazing place with your people and that we get to come to you and worship you in song. And we get to bring you all of our inabilities and all of our concerns and anxieties and fears, and that we get to do the divine exchange. You give us everything in Jesus through the power of your spirit. God, I pray for each one of us this week as we go about whatever work we have in front of us, that we would listen to you. Whether we would commit our work to you, and that you would do more in us and through us than we ever thought possible. I pray that we would be Jesus to people and that many people would be changed because of how we work. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.